Luke 4, 14 to 24. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Amen. Turn me off again. Thank you. Okay, thank you, John, for reading that passage. That's what I wanted to ask to look at this morning. Now, as Christians, we use the word grace a lot. Uh, grace is really important to us, isn't it? It's a word that defines who God is and how God is towards us. And um, the ancient Israelites, many, many centuries ago, said the Lord is gracious and compassionate. And we still say that today uh, as Christians. So grace describes how God is towards us. And it explains why his gospel, his good news, is good news. Grace, God's grace, is the reason we know things will be okay. Why we know it's not all going to come to nothing in the end. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament described grace as being like the atmosphere under which we're living and exist. He said we live under grace. You know, like how the sky and the air and the oxygen that surrounds us is essential to our physical bodies, grace is like that to us as Christians as well. We could not live without it. Now, the word grace means gift, something given. It's not earned. It's not bought. It's not bargained for or merited. It is just given. Given, in fact, when there seems to be no reason to give, even when there seem to be many reasons not to give. Grace is unexpected, out of the blue, against the odds. It is like a surprise gift that we had absolutely no reason to expect, but which actually turns out to be the most generous thing we could ever imagine. That is God's grace, and he gives it gladly. God is gracious, we're told. He gives without reason, and his grace comes to us without any strings attached. So we're told in Ephesians 2 that it is by grace that we are saved, and this is not about ourselves. 
It is the gift of God, it says. Now, here in Luke 4, Jesus came to the town of Nazareth and he started talking about grace. And in verse 22, it says the people living there thought it was wonderful news, absolutely wonderful. It specifically says there, they were amazed at the words of grace coming from Jesus's mouth. So it was that in particular, it was grace that thrilled them about what Jesus was saying, about what his message was. Now, their response to this message of grace will change in verse 28 when they decide grace is a bit too generous for their liking. And we're going to think about that next Sunday. But for today, I want to think about this. What was it in Jesus's message that was so full of grace so that they initially were just absolutely thrilled to hear about it? In other words, what does God's grace sound like? You know, what does it look like? What does it do? What does it mean for us? What did they hear when Jesus talked words of grace? Well, he entered the synagogue in Nazareth on a Sabbath day, and he read from the prophet Isaiah, and he read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to send away as to send away free the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that was a reading from Isaiah, and that was how long ago in the Old Testament the prophet Isaiah described the good news, the gospel of God. And Isaiah originally spoke that into a situation of great trouble and regret and loss and suffering and grief and exile. So Isaiah spoke that those words for a time when ancient Israel had found itself divided and then in turmoil. And then it had been, they had been overcome by powerful warring empires around them who captured everything that they had and took them away from their homes into exile. So a desperately painful and bleak and confusing situation for them. But into that situation of loss and disarray and homelessness even, Isaiah the prophet came and spoke words from God to them. And he said from God that something new was going to be proclaimed to them. Good news from God was coming. And I dis Isaiah described what it would be like for them. And now here in Luke chapter four, those are the same words, the words of grace that Jesus takes up and he speaks them as well. So these are the kinds of ways in which God's grace can appear and surprise us in our lives. This is what good news sounds like according to Isaiah and Jesus. So Isaiah and now Jesus says, firstly, God brings good news when we expect none, when we've grown used to having nothing. So it says good news is proclaimed to the poor. So good news, grace means good news comes to us in our need, in our poverty, in our complete lack. When we think we've got nothing left to hope in, God's grace comes with good news. 
Poverty, of course, can come in many different forms in our lives. So it, it really signifies when, you know, whenever we don't have strength or we realize we don't have the resources or perhaps even don't have any hope anymore, feeling a bit like the Israelites must have done when they had been taken away into exile, precisely then in our poverty, in our desperate need, God speaks good news to us. If you've been, if you've grown used to hearing only bad news, if you've given up hope of hearing any good news, it is precisely then that the message of God's grace comes and said, there is good news. God is good news for you. Then notice that uh, Isaiah and Jesus now say, God's grace means that in our various captivities, God brings freedom to us. Freedom for the captives, it says. So whenever we are trapped, perhaps, or, or enslaved or bound up in whatever way it may be, God can release the chains. He can bring us freedom, it says, from captivity. And by the way, the word freedom there, or release, it can also be translated forgiveness. It also means that, because forgiveness is another example of being set free from captivity, uh, released from guilt or from regrets or indeed from bitterness and resentment about the past. God is a God whose forgiveness, again, is, is a way in which he sets us free from those harmful things in our lives. Then it says that God opens eyes to see. He brings us clarity and light when we feel that's confused or in darkness or lost. Amazing grace we sung, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. God's grace it can, can come to our lives and, and change things for us so much that it is like the sun rising, a new dawn, light comes. It's like our eyes are opened, Isaiah said. He, God opens up um, a whole new view of things, of, what, of how it's going to be. It's like we've woken up, woken up on a new day, we've opened our eyes, and suddenly the view of things is different because of God's grace. It then says, God brings us out into a new place. So the words at the end of verse 18, uh, setting the oppressed free, the words in the Greek actually have the sense of sending us on a new pathway, uh, sending someone on their way. So God's grace there means that God gives us a new way forward, a new pathway, a new start, a new direction in our lives. Perhaps at times we feel like that's not possible. Maybe we feel like everything's over. It's, we, it's a dead end. Where on earth do I go from here, you might think? We feel that oppressive sense of being trapped. Uh, and God says, no, my grace is what you need. I will set you on a new path. And um, one of the one of the Old Testament Hebrew words for salvation literally means broad or spacious. And I think that's a, a wonderful uh, way of understanding what salvation means. Uh, it's a wonderful image. 
When we think everything has hemmed us in forever, we're constricted, it feels claustrophobic, we feel like we've got nowhere we can go, God's salvation comes and it's like God opens things up. Suddenly we've got room to breathe. It's a bit, I like to imagine it like, you know, God suddenly brings us out into this wide open field and there's all this space in which life can begin again because God has saved us. That is how Isaiah said that. That is how God's grace was going to come to these captive people in the past. Jesus now says, this is how it comes to you. The grace of God can do that for you. And he then says, God's favor is with us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the word favor there in verse 19, actually, it literally means acceptance. Grace is acceptance of you. It is a welcome. God tells us we are accepted when, when perhaps we don't feel like we are. God says we are loved. We are welcome when perhaps we feel like we can't be. It's like the Israelites, again, imagine when Isaiah first spoke these words. They must have felt, you know, they'd been lost their homes, taken away somewhere else, carted around. They must have felt like they were people who had no place. No one wanted them, like they had nowhere to belong. Because who were they now that they were exiles? And Isaiah came with words about God's grace. And Jesus brings you and I words about God's grace. And it says that, that whenever we feel unacceptable or unwelcome or unloved, God's grace throws its arms around us and says, you are mine. God says, you belong to me. And grace will therefore carry us home. It will tell us we're loved, we are welcome, and we do belong because God's acceptance and God's welcome is what matters most of all. Now, some actually suggest that, I don't know if you notice in verse 19, the word year. Some suggest that the year in verse 19 might have originally referred to the, the Old Testament year of Jubilee. I don't know if you know about that, but basically back in the book of, uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God said to ancient Israel that every 50th year was to be a Jubilee year. And, uh, and on that incredible year, um, all slaves would, must be set free and all debts were erased, wiped out, forgotten. And all property and all land was to be restored to those who'd lost it. And all families, we're told, were, were brought together again. Imagine, imagine how important that was in Isaiah's day for the people in exile. All the things they long for. And Isaiah says, the year of God's favor is coming. It's all going to be restored. The captives will be set free. The debts will be gone. The, the, the home will be restored and you'll come together again. But now Jesus also takes up those words of Isaiah and says that he was here to do that for us too. So if you imagine that year of Jubilee, it was, you know, it, on the year of Jubilee, the idea was that everything received a rest and relief and restoration and, 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 re, and a repairing of what had been lost. 
The year of Jubilee was a year when things were set free. It was a year of liberty from slavery and from debt and from poverty and loss and pain. And the people of Isaiah's day longed to hear that. And Jesus says to us that that time was also here when Jesus came. Now, he said, today I'm proclaiming to you, it's the year of God's welcome and acceptance. It's like a jubilee for the world now that Jesus Christ had come. Because as Jesus rolled up the scroll and then sat down in the synagogue, everyone in, in the synagogue was fixed on what he'd said. Perhaps they were wondering what he was going to say next. You know, wondering perhaps, you know, can any of those good things that Isaiah had spoken of, can they really become true? Maybe they were thinking for us in our day. Those words Jesus had read. And Jesus says this. Today, this day, that scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing as you've heard it. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, God is now doing those things right here and right now. He's doing it through me, through the one whose voice you've just heard speak. It is yours now. The grace of God is yours because Jesus Christ was here. One translation puts it like this. Jesus said to them, this passage came true today when you heard me read it. In a sense, all those things Isaiah spoke of were now being fully and newly fulfilled because God had sent his son Jesus into the world to save us. So all those hopes from Isaiah about God setting us free, healing our lives, opening our eyes, making things new, they become realized and real in the world and in your life and mine because Jesus Christ came to the world, sent from God, filled with God's spirit, as it says, so that he could be our savior. The word anointed in verse 18 is the word where the word Messiah comes from that word. So Jesus is, he says, the anointed Messiah. He is the savior. And Jesus says that's who he is. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who's bringing God's news of grace to us all. He is our rescue. So Jesus For you and I today, Jesus is the one who is able to speak something good, good news over your life when you feel destitute. Good news for the poor. Jesus is the one who is able to bring you out of your captivity, your chains. He's the one who's able to open your eyes to see a new beginning, a new view of things, a new pathway forward. Jesus is the one who can assure you that you are loved, you are welcomed, you are accepted, and you do belong. God's grace is given to you in Jesus Christ today. Now, if you ever doubt that, if you ever doubt that God's grace is for you, remember that Jesus became poor. He became the captive. When they took him and arrested him, he became the sufferer. 
He became the one who was condemned and rejected. All those things we hate to be in and fear. And he, in the end, was nailed even to a cross. He even died there for you so that he could give you all that he speaks of here, so that he can give you that liberty and that life and that forgiveness and that freedom and that new hope, that welcome home, even a resurrection one day. In order to bring us out of our struggles and our guilt and our sufferings and our fears, Jesus took our place there underneath them all, died on the cross, before rising again so that so that that new life that he had in his resurrection can be yours too and in verse 22 the people in Nazareth were delighted just as we are delighted to hear about this good news of grace they were delighted that the words were gracious full of grace not earned none of this is bought by us none of it is has to be fought over it is freely given. That's what grace is. And all spoke well of them, we're told. And they were amazed at the words of grace that came from his mouth. And those words of grace are for you as well. Jesus fulfills all of those promises for you. They're offered to you today as you hear about Jesus Christ. So whenever you're feeling destitute or empty, God's grace speaks good news to you. In whatever kind of slaveries hold you captive today, God's grace means he will rescue you. In your guilt and regrets, God's grace forgives all your sin. When everything seems shrouded in darkness, it all seems bleak. God's grace brings light for you to see again. When you're weighed down and crushed, feel like you can't move forward, God's grace can lift the burden and set you on a path somewhere new. And when you feel rejected, unlovable, unwelcome, God's grace says his welcome, his acceptance, his love is fully yours today. No questions asked, because it's all a gift. It is all grace. You don't have to earn that. You don't have to prove yourselves worthy. You don't have to convince God of anything. It is all given to you in Jesus Christ. And that means there's nothing, nothing that you do or don't do can change it. Grace just is. That's what I love about grace. It just is. And nothing you or I can do or not do can change it. And this is why it's good news. And it's who Jesus is and what he brings you. Let me just close with these words from Robert Capon. He says this, God has done the whole job in Jesus once and for all and simply invited us to believe it, to trust the bizarre, unprovable proposition that in him we are already home free without a single religious exertion. No fasting till your knees fold, no prayers you have to get right or else, no standing on your head with your right thumb in your left ear, no nothing. The entire show has been set to rights in the mystery of Christ. Yes, it's crazy, he says, and yes, it's wild and outrageous, and any God who would do such a thing is a God who has no taste, but it is good news. The only permanently good news there is, 
and therefore I find it absolutely captivating, he said. And that's just like these people in Nazareth. They were amazed at God's words of grace. Jesus says to us, today, these words of grace are fulfilled in your hearing. He speaks, he says it. This is how it is, he says. It's grace. And you just need to hear that. So let's take our fingers out of our ears. Let's put aside all the other noise and all the other voices that tell us otherwise. And just let Jesus tell us this is true. It's all grace. Let, let it sink in and then believe in it without stopping to say, well, yes, but what about this? Or what about so-and-so or such and such? It, no, it is all grace. Jesus tells you it is. And he says, it's all fulfilled. It's all that you need. And he's brought it all to you. And that's why it's good news. So let's believe it. And let's live in the light of it. And let's go out and make this world a better place because of it. Because if you live in this believing in grace, you will make a difference when you go out and live your life among other people. It will make a difference if you're living believing in God's grace.